Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in our community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams. I'm your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs of the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Jennifer Martell. Uh, Jennifer is a She's a lot of things. She's a community organizer. She's an educator. She's someone that is working tirelessly for the Native American community, uh, certainly the arts community. And she's someone that has um, put together a lot of her skill set to do so much for our community. And you're going to find some very unique and interesting things in this conversation, things that I wasn't even aware of. I met Jennifer, uh, I believe, a year, year and a half ago over the course of several different conventions uh, for the arts and for community engagements and for museum studies and it was just every time I run into her um, it's it's such an insightful inspiring conversation that I have with her and uh, you know I'm looking forward to a lot of things that we're going to be doing uh, in the future here and so of course that takes more conversations and of course if you're a listener of this podcast you can be involved in some of these activities that we'll be coming up with uh, in the future and the near future so Uh, Sit back, enjoy a wonderful conversation with Jennifer, and listen to the end of the podcast and uh, and ways to get in touch with her and, of course, myself, and see what kind of programming that we will be coming up with in the future. So with that being said, let's jump into this interview with Jennifer. Good morning. My name is Jennifer Martell. I am an enrolled member of the Shining River. Um... I reside here on Standing Rock. I live here in Fort Yates, um, North Dakota. I was, I wasn't raised here on the reservation. I was a part of, um, um, part of, uh, a church affiliation or, uh, uh, um, it wasn't boarding school, but it was something similar to the boarding school um, concept. Um, basically, um, I went out to Idaho um, at eight years old to go live with non-Native families, um, basically like a foster home setting. Um, I was out there for nine years, um, only to come back, you know, in the summertime to come and be with my family. Um, other than that, um, came back after kind of going on a little excursion after 18 years old, I've always said I wanted to go and see the world or go do things. And, you know, before I was going to um, ever really truly decide that I was going to either start a family or start a career or or so forth. So um, moved out to New York City. Um, I guess I got to see the world. I got to be amongst um, 8.2 million people of all walks of life. And then something struck me. And I guess it's always been there, but it was just more profound. Something kept on nudging at me to come home, which is here. Um, This is where my mother's from. My father's from Cheyenne River. Um, To come home. And 
them to help my people. And I wasn't too sure what that all entails. Um, I've been here at the college um, going on 18 years. And I guess fast track to, um, do you want me to go into my influences? Uh, yeah, I, I can ask that as a separate question as well. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll just finish up here. Um, so that's my background. Um, kind of a little history of um, who I am and where I've been. And, you know, um, I've dealt with the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, with how I was raised. Um, um, am I fortunate with it? Yeah. Am I not fortunate? Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of mixed of my, you know, my upbringing, you know, um, but it did definitely make me who I am. Mm -hmm. And who, who are your influences or who are you, who've been your biggest influences uh, throughout your, your life and career? Um, my big influence would be, um, I became really good friends with a neighbor, uh, Mr. Novus. Mr. Novus uh, was my Sunday school teacher, kind of a mentor. Um, he owned a municipal airport and he did a lot of flying. He owned a lot of planes and stuff. And so, um, he taught me how to, um, um, basically operate a um, plane, taught me how to um, take off and taught me how to land. And um, he was one of my, you know, awesome influencers. Um, basically, every time we were up in air, it seems like he'd always talk about life, you know, all the things about life and what to expect and, you know, what to... Um, not expect, but what to, you know, um, to always um, be ready for whatever comes your way. Um, the other influencer was my grandmother. She passed away a year ago, July 5th. It's been a year. Um, she was 102. Um, her was, um, she was always my biggest fan always wanting to know what I was doing, where I was going, what I was going to be doing, um, what my goals were, if I was going to go see this, if I was going to go do that. She was one of my big influencers. Um, just everything about her, I wanted to be like her. Um, she was a go-getter. She was... Um, Everybody, you know, saw out to her, you know, meaning they reached out to her for, you know, advice or help or um, she was just a really down to earth, good person. Um, I've always said I wanted to be like her. She was a real classy lady, mm. um, very traditional, you know, spoke her language she remember, you know, and just hearing her stories and um, if I was down and out, you know, 
you know, it's almost like, how did she know she would call me and then I would tell her. And, and the next thing I knew, I was like, what was I down and down about? You know, um, she was just a really awesome lady. And I've always wanted to be, I wanted to be like grandma. I wanted to be that kind of a woman that, um, you know, and even up to her death, you know, her passing away was, um, she was still witty. She still had, you know, she still had her humor. She still was, um, witty about different things, you know, um, um, I guess, you know, to grow old gracefully. Um, I hope I could do that. You know, I hope I can live a long, you know, a good productive longevity life, you know, It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, your, your influences, I think both, uh, had integrity and sort of a centeredness to them, but I think both, uh, different approaches, you know, it's, it's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, one is a, a pilot and, uh, you're receiving sort of a, a life education up in the air in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, yep. it's kind of a striking, uh, contrast in a sense, but yet at the same time, uh, both, have sort of a, yeah, a solid integrity center to them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I used to always say, you know, with Mr. Novus, um, you know, and he's been gone now for a while, but I always remember, you know, I still remember, you know, um, us visiting and talking, you know, um, um, he understood, you know, um, my loneliness. He understood that, um just dealing with um being away from my home um mm-hmm. being away from my family um it's almost like he tried to help me um help me get through it um it was i guess one of the things that you know with all of I don't know how many times we flew. We flew quite a bit, you know. Um, there's sometimes two times out of the weekend or every weekend there for a while. Or, you know, we were constantly flying. And I used to think, you know, you know, why would he want to take the time, you know, for me, you know? And now that I'm older and, you know, it's like, wow, I was so fortunate to have him and, you know, And I used to just always thank him, you know, thank you for taking the time, you know, um, to be there for me and to, you know, um, to talk to me, to visit me, to give me, give me ideas. And, you know, and he used to say, um, it's kind of amazing what happens when you're up in the air. Yeah, no, that's... And just left it at that. And I used to think, yeah, he, he is right. And so now that I'm older and I travel either for work or for leisure, I still say that to myself, you know, I, once I'm in the air and I'm like, Mr. Novus, I'm here, you know, mm. I, I lifted off the earth and here I am, you know, where are you at? You know, yeah. um, where's my co-pilot? You know, he'll say, yeah, I got my co-pilot, you know, radioing or he'll say, 
now you're going to start learning how to radio and he'll say you know um make sure that i'm your co-pilot and i said well i hope for the rest of my life you'll always be my co-pilot and he said well just remember you can learn a lot in the air i'm like huh i'm like oh now i'm understanding what he's seeing you know now i understand even more so you know um just like little things that he said just like really puts a lot of perspective so i love flying i still love to fly i used to always say i'm going to get my pilot's license um i still love to fly i still you know i'm constantly you know either i'm praying or i'm visiting or whatever it may be you know when i'm up in the air it's like all right you know it you know truly being up there it does it puts a little perspective in a lot of things because you're not on earth you're in air you know you're 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 almost to the stars per se you know you actually really are in a spot that not many anybody may get that opportunity or understand that part you know what i'm saying mhm mhm i I, I love it when I hear um, when mentors, they, they say something, but when they share something, the, the mentee may not be ready to receive that information yet, you know, and it's mm-hmm. one of those seeds that needs to be planted, but germinates years later. And, you know, it, it's always great when something that is said resonates finally years later, you know, um, no, that's really great. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. How, how have you developed your career uh, through college, post-college? So prior to getting my education, um, I worked at, you know, different jobs. Went to one year of school and just, ah, I just wasn't feeling it. I was just like, nope, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually wasting my time doing this, you know. Um, cause I was young and naive and, you know, I, I wasn't ready for college, you know? And so my dad said, well, go work for your tribe. All right. That means I moved to Shine River and I get a job and I'm down there. I'm down there for a year and a half. Um, I guess I learned really quick and fast about tribal politics um, you know, like I said, I never was raised in a reservation. And so, you know, being on the reservation, living on the reservation, working on the reservation, you know, um, I, I, I quickly, fastly learned, you know, and, um, uh, I was like, uh, maybe tribe politics is not me. I was like, um, and I wasn't getting mouthy. I was just speaking up and, you know, um, try to um, defend my people. Um, I seen what was wrong that needed to be right. And I was, you know, I found a voice. And I just got to the point, I was just like, you know what? I'm probably going to get fired. So my best bet is, you know, I need to just resign and figure out where, where my next move is. So I resigned and I would say shortly after that, that's when I moved to New York. 
then moving out to New York and I got an opportunity to work different, um, different jobs, you know, um, and after that, I was just like, you know what, of course, that's when I moved back. And then when I start having my kids, then I was like, all right, I think I'm ready for school. I think I'm, I'm, I'm ready to take the plunge. You know, I have my kids, they're my influence. Um, they're going to be the reason and I'm going to do this and I'm going to finish what I start. So, um, I went back to school, got my two year and four year in business administration management here at sitting bull college. Um, you know, I've had people say, Oh, you could have went to a big university. Why? This does the same thing. Does the same thing They, you know, I didn't, I don't have a bill. I still don't have a bill. I never had to pay a bill. Um, I was able to make good grades, get good grades. Um, what did um, part-time work and then eventually worked into being a full-time employee here. So I, you know, that's how my career started. And then, you know, been working here, in different aspects of um, the college or different departments, I've gained more education by, you know, um, taking classes or whatever it may be in training or workshops or um, just getting involved. Um, I've always been a person to get involved, whether it's um, within work or community. Um, just always making sure that, um, I have my aha moments or um, making sure that I have, I can honestly say this has never been a dull moment day. You know, um, I guess I've just always been one of those ones that um, um, finding fun and adventure um, in a day and, um, and not second guess myself. But just doing it and just, you know, whatever the outcome, whatever it's going to be, you know. Um, I'm not a um, scheduler. I'm not on anybody's schedule. Um, I'm a doer. I'm, um, when I start something, I like to finish it um, the best of my ability. And so my career or my education or... Um, my everyday living has got me where I'm at and I guess just putting a lot of heart into everything that I do um, has really helped in having my influencers and you know just being around good people good vibes um, also is a big big um, big help to my career you know um, I guess we can we can all be educated, but we have to be um, life educators. Uh, we have to be willing to be educated every day. You know, um, my kids taught me education. My grandkids are teaching me education, and I'm still learning every day. You know, so um, my career is not quite done. Um, I don't know it'll ever be, but for now. I'm just enjoying the ride, um, enjoying where I'm at, you know. Um, sometimes I wish 
um, I could be someplace else, but I guess I'm supposed to be where I'm supposed to be at in, um, because I haven't got a nudge to say, all right, you need to resign and go someplace else. So I think I'm in the right place. That's my career. So being, being where you're at, um, how, how do you seek opportunities? Uh, I think you're, your setup is different than a number of people I've interviewed because uh, as artists, um, there seems to be sort of a, uh, uh, a pattern of opportunities uh, for artists, you know, younger they, they, or newer artists in their careers, they, they go to um, uh, these expos and these different events and whatnot. And then as they progress in their career and they become educators, uh, different types of opportunities come. Um, having spent your career in the, the college setting, uh, how have those opportunities changed over time? Uh, and how do you seek opportunities now? Um, I guess with my work, you know, what I do, um, it was an opportunity going on seven years ago. Um, and prior to that, I thought about different things, you know, um, working at the Entrepreneur Center, um, seeing the um, struggles and seeing, you know, the things that our people are going through. I really sat down and I guess, you know, talked to my grandma and I said, you know, she's like, what are the things that you want to see change? And I said, more than anything, I said, you know, what really bugs me and, and, and it still does because being a product of you know being in displaced you know out of my home and put in a whole different you know home different mentality and total different lifestyle and you know um I've always wanted to be um I've always wanted to make sure our families were families so in the early middle, well, shouldn't say early, 85, 86, the government finally said, Native Americans can finally have their children. They can finally have home. They can finally be parents. And ever since then, then it's always bugged me. It's like, I wish that would have came long time ago. Then I wouldn't be where I was at, you know? But I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna make. Uh, I want to figure this out. I'm gonna. I, something has to give. So I used to think, you know, the only way we could do this is we have to go back to old ways, our old traditional ways, our life ways, our way of life, our you know traditional making, our traditional protocols, our traditional customs, language. You know, um, we could still live in this world. We could still live in two worlds i am i had to at a young eight-year-old you know i had to learn how to live in two worlds um pretty much my whole entire school years that i was out in idaho i was about the only native girl out there you know and so i had to learn how to live in two worlds and our people still have to live in two worlds so i was like but how do we make it better for our homes how do we get back to um family how do we get back to um respect and how do we get back to just 
all of it. How do we get back to that way of life that maybe if we do this, we'll be able to get people to get our children out of our homes to be self-sufficient, to be good, good humans and to be, um, workaholics or, um, college bound kids. Um, because I seen, you know, a crisis or, um, I seen there's some issues that are at hand that I was like, no, we can make this work. You know, this might help cure this. This might help a family or this might help the family and the kids or whatever, you know? So I talked to my grandma and she's like, well, what, 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 what are you thinking? And I said, grandma, wouldn't it be cool if we can have like, um, hours where, you know, someone comes in and teaches about beading or quilling and, and she's like, well, why not? And I said, I know. I said, I don't know. I guess I just don't know how to go about it. I said, it just on my mind. I said, here we do these community things, but that's community. We forgot about the house. We forgot about the families before we become communities. And I said, I feel like I'm putting the cart before I'm putting the horse. I'm putting the cart before the horse. And she said, yeah. Well, what do you think is going to take it? I said, I don't know. I know some kind of miracle or something. I said, I don't know. I said, you know, I hopefully something happens. So shortly after I got the, you know, got asked to be moved over to the visitor center. And then shortly after the vice president now, she called me and she said, Hey, Jen, she said, um, I remember one time or another, you kind of mentioned about art, you know, trying to have classes and stuff. She said, well, there's an opportunity with American Indian College Fund. Do you want to do it? And I said, what? She said, yeah. And it's for like 4000 or 6000 I said, I'll take it. She said, I'll help you write it, but you need to tell me what do you want. And she said, I'll give you a couple days, brainstorm it, and get back to me. She said, it's due next week. So I said, all right. So I did. I wrote down everything. I was just imagining. Called my grandma. I was like, grandma, guess what? And she's like, what? So I told her, oh, there you go. She said, these are the things that just think about. She said, make sure you get someone that's traditional or they were raised. They know protocol. They know stories. She said, um, make sure that, you know, these are the supplies. Make sure they tell you what they need. And then make sure you get food. And, you know, she, she just kind of basically helped me, you know, write everything. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Grandma, this is happening. She's like, see, things happen for a reason, you know, at the right time, right place, you know. And so I sent it, and we got the grant, and we started, and we're about... 260 some classes later and 500 plus people that have gone through. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's really impressive. Um, when I talk to the students, you know, we get there, I'll introduce the instructor and then the instructor takes off. And, you know, what I like is we, I try to get the, 
the adults, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, why don't you do this for the kids? Well, we always assume the school's going to do it, but we need to get our adults to be adults, to be adults, to be parents. Um, they need to figure how to, you know, make something, do something, conquer it, and then they'll be able to be good instructors, right? Because our first and foremost should be our, our family, should be our parents that teach us, right? Education starts at home. If, we, if, it were, if we're gonna assume sending our kids to go get an education, but it's not, you know, being taught at home, then we're not educating our kids in all aspects, whether it's learning how to wash clothes or learning how to bead or learning the stories about beading or the designs or um, learning about storytelling, you know, um, or hearing about storytelling, whatever it may be, whatever the teachings that you have at home are not going to be taught at school, right? But they build character and they build a sense of responsibility and so forth. So basically that was kind of like my goal. And then as it kept on going and kept on going, um, talking, you know, I always tried to get our parents to engage in class. Um, I might throw a topic or I'll start talking and then I'll switch it up and, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Or when I do an introduction, I'll say, this is why I'm doing the class. I want you to go home and teach your family. First and foremost, teach your family and teach your nieces and nephews, your aunties, your uncles, your grandmas, your grandpas. But first, second of all, more than anything, I said, be teachable. Meaning, I want you to be able to teach in the community. Own your community, act like you live there, and be a part of the community. I said, because you know what? Not many people are going to have this opportunity, but I want you to be able to teach. I want you to be able to have a connection to what you're doing, perfect it. I don't care what, what you do. If you're good at star quilts, so be it. If you're good at beading, so be it. If you're good at quilling, or if you're good at all three, so be it. But I want you to be able to teach the community. But always and first and foremost, make sure your family knows what you're doing. And they are learning with you and you're teaching them. So um, that's why I went about um, doing that. And then two years ago, well, prior to that, I was like, why can't we do food? You know, and there wasn't really no grants really out there. And of course, I'm a college institute. So, you know, it's not like we have flocks of grants that are available for us, you know. So I kept on asking my boss, I said, man, is there possible that we could do food, you know, food sovereignty, um, traditional food, preserving, cooking, um, whatever it may be. And she said, yeah, she said, go for it. Whatever you could find, if it suits, put it in. So two years ago I did, I put in for a grant and I received it. And so that's why we're preserving, um, 
the food sovereignty, um, basically doing like our, um, making elderberry, doing um, wasna, bapa, um, harvesting timsala, choke cherries. Um, we're also doing, um, um, we did, uh, went out and um, gutted up a buffalo, showing the, showing the students how to, you know, clean the book, um, you know, the tongue, the heart, the liver, you know, just basically, you know, getting our people to get back to who we are. We didn't go too far, but we went a lot of far, you know, and um, trying to get them to understand that um, our well-being comes with food and that comes with our traditional food. And that if we could get back into it, that we'll all have better diets. And, you know, maybe we could conquer diabetes. Maybe we conquer some of these cancers that are ha happening. Because a lot of times it's all processed food. So that's where I went with all of it. You know, um, just really gravitated to make sure that um, our homes are in a good place you know i said you came to this class and i hope you return to your home with all this knowledge and a fire under your butt that you're going to make sure that your family first and foremost is going to be taken care of that you're going to cook for them you're going to preserve for them you're going to teach them you're going to um you know you're going to do things as a family and um and then if hard times come, now you guys have something to fall back on. Say you got to sell star quote because you got behind on bills. Then so be it. Do it. You know, um, we need to be self-sufficient. We're not going to be, um, you know, we get called, you know, oh, they're dependent on the government and so forth, you know. So I was trying to get like financial literacy in this. I was trying to get life skills into this. I was trying to get um food sovereignty um traditional the way of life i was trying to get a whole aspect of all of it together and i think i have because what's happened um some of my teachers were some of the students at the beginning so there's been a, a transition in a sense mm. yep so like one of my quill workers, um, my quillers, he's not even from here, but he respectfully um, came to the class. He's from San Carlos. Um, he's an Apache. He's married up here, but he's one of my quill teachers. Why? Is because I've observed him and I always tell him, trust me, I will be watching I will be observing, I'll be paying attention, I will be listening. If you're being foolish with what you learn and you take it home and you're being disrespectful, you're probably not gonna teach on recognizance of yourself, but if someone was to say, um, hey, so-and-so, is it okay if they teach? You know, what, what's your recommendation? So be respectful, um, be engaging, ask if this quill worker, you know, this quiller is not answering questions, 
find out there's more quilt people ask them more questions and so he did he went into like a heavy research and he's just a really respectful guy and i just kind of wanted to have a guy teach you know because i had a lot of women teaching and so he taught and man students were picking it up really quick and fast and he was a good teacher really humble and um and he practices his traditional way doesn't mean he has to practice ours but he respects it you know and so and of course he passed my background check and my drug test you know i uh trying to think of a follow-up just to that but that's great <laughs> um so i guess we're we're sort of at the the last of the five questions is what would you say to uh, the 18 year old or the, the young person listening to this, um, what advice would you have someone that's looking to get into a career, uh, that's, that mirrors yours or within the arts? Finish what you start. Um, learning to write grants. Um, so the first grant was written for me, but I had my input after that the last i don't know what's this 14 15 grants that i've written so far um i've written implemented and i'll be finalizing uh i got one due so i'll have three more to finalize other than that um I guess being a grant writer to implementing to do it on final report is really truly um, even defined my saying that I've always had is um, finish what you start because if you start something and you don't finish it then you're you know you're kicking yourself you know this is when we always say to young people no regrets you know if you're gonna do something do it wholeheartedly. If not, don't do it at all. Because, you know, when you have regrets and you're, you know, second guessing yourself, man, that makes it really hard. Then you end up making some crazy decisions. So if you're going to do something, go for it. You know, don't look back, you know, don't wait for anybody. <clears throat> Just do it. Because once you fulfill it, then, then, you have a sense of, you know, accomplishment and, you know, like, holy cow, you know, you, you know, you came through it, you know? So yeah. Um, basically I like to say is, um, finish what you start and that's anything, anything in your life, you know, you start something, you finish it, no regrets, keep moving forward. Well, Jen, thank you so much for this. Uh, this is a fascinating conversation. Um, is there uh, is there anything is there anywhere that uh, someone can find you or the work that you're doing uh, at the college or anywhere? <clears throat> um, so I work here at the Sitting Bull Visitor Center. You can find me at the sittingbull.edu website. Or if you're on Facebook, you can find me at Sitting Bull Visitor Center. 
or if you're on um, Twitter, Sitting Bull Visitor Center, um, Instagram, Sitting Bull Visitor Center. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much on all social media. Um, you can also find me personally on Facebook. <clears throat> but overall, um, if you're passing through Standing Rock, you can find me on the little log cabin um, below the um, wind turbine. It's the only big wind turbine on Standing Rock, um, which is located in Freyets. It's alongside of the west side of the hill. Um, you can find me on the website, social media, or you can stop in um, and visit um, the visitor center and I could take you around and also take you into our um, art classroom. Um, yeah. Jen, thank you so much for this. This is wonderful. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Jennifer again for her time and sharing her story with us. It was such a pleasure to talk with her and to spend some time with her. It was really wonderful. So thank you for that. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. Please join us again next time as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me at Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. If you have a suggestion for someone to interview, please find us on the Facebook page and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. So you take care and we will see you next week.